access. Thanks, Emily. I just go into jiggle mode. Down deep below the surface. Down, down deep below the surface. Full access. Thanks, Emily. I just go into jiggle mode. Down deep below the surface. Down, down deep below the surface. Universal. Oh, yeah. It's time for another week of the Think Different Podcast. That's right. We got our iPhones. We got our iPads. We got our MacBook Pros. And hey, for you old people, maybe you might have your iPod Mini here with you today because it's time for another episode of the Think Different Podcast. That's right. Your will, your, that's right. Your will TLD is here for another episode here in New Jersey, but all the way west, it is Mr. Frank Funk. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, Will. How you doing? Yes, how's West Florida? West Florida is uh, sunny, hot, and uh, hopefully, I, will, I, I don't want to say another week, but <laughs> hopefully we'll be uh, heading home pretty soon. Well, we want you back home, but if you can't, we're still glad that you're here every single week. Catch it up here on the Think Different Podcast. If you are new, guess what? There are 57 other episodes of this, and you can check out every Friday morning. You will get the new episode downloaded right to your device, whether it is your iPhone, your Android, because we're on Google, we're on Pandora, we're on Amazon Music, and, of course, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And we are former Apple employees here today to talk about all the great things going on. Now, every week, we are asking Frank the big question, Keto weight. That's right, Frank. Oh, yeah. You got um, any updates on your keto? I I don't want to say I was disappointed. I wasn't. I did lose some more weight, but I was hoping I would get under 200. Uh, I didn't, but I'm at... Um, oh, shit, me. Oh, Sorry. wow. Okay, there you go. Frank, start off with a curse on the episode. I am at 208, Will. I lost... Uh, Another, well, I lost 38 pounds total, so Well, Frank, honestly, that's just not enough for us and the fans here at the Fake Denver Podcast. You just, you're just not, you're just not, you're just starting to lose your stride. You know, Uh oh, we have a guest, a special guest here on the episode today. That's right. We have Mrs. Frank Funk. No, no, that's my sister. We have Sister Frank Funk here on the episode today. You want to say her name? She could say something. Yeah, yeah. Joanne. Joanne. Her Joanne. name is Joanne Sherman. What That's right. Can't hear. Her. I can hear you. Oh, I can she hear can, you. He, all right. she, he can hear you. Yeah, everybody can hear you. Yeah. The world can hear you right now. But she left us now. Okay, fine. So she left our episode. Fine. You know what? We are going to block her from downloading this podcast. That's there right. We go. have that power. All right, but we wanted to get back into our history here, and I wanted to bring up something that's amazing, because on August 24th, as 1995, Windows 95 came out. That's right, Windows 95 came out 25 years ago, and you talk about, like, this is before people lined up at the Apple Store. This was beyond crazy. and. Yes. It was truly probably the best and most successful software download. The software was so popular that 7 million copies were sold during the first five weeks. Yes, I do. I remember Windows 95. And Windows 95 is arguably the best Windows operating system they ever did. After that, everything went downhill. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Well... Um, there was not a computer without Windows 95 on it, folks. I'm telling you, there's no way yeah. that anybody that was born in the 90s, or at least alive in the 90s, didn't have Windows 95 on their computer. 
So I thought that was a cool little history. Uh, and as much as we like to trash a little bit on Windows, face it, there was nothing better than Windows 95. I would kind of say XP was the, uh, just a step below, but it was still really good. And then it all went down here when you have Vista that came out. Then forget it. That's just the downfall uh, yeah. right there of Windows. But we wanted to bring that up for the history. But, of course, every week, likely that we come up here, there is going to be something happening between Fortnite and Apple. So that's right. It is time for the People's Court of Apple versus Fortnite. So here we go. What has happened in this last week? Well, for those who are playing Fortnite on their iOS devices, well, guess what? You cannot participate in the new Fortnite season. No, 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 no. They have blocked that from happening. Well, they say Apple has blocked that from happening. And basically, Epic Games attempted to get a temporary restraining order from the Northern California court to prevent Apple from blocking Fortnite updates and terminating the developer account. But after a hearing, the judge ruled in favor of Apple when it comes to Fortnite. Well, what's going to happen is that the judge uh, said that if the sensible way to proceed is for Epic to uh, stick to the guidelines that Apple put forth in their original agreement and they signed. So they can, they're welcome back on the uh, App Store. All they have to do is comply with the agreement that they originally signed. Yep, and, and a judge made it clear that Epic Games created the created the situation themselves and can reverse what has been done by taking it back into the status quo and letting the rest of the dispute play out in court. So that's the great point by the judge. This is why Epic Games is not Apple didn't kick off Epic Games. They took themselves off, or they violated the rules. And so, that, again, Apple makes the rules of the App Store. It's not run by a government. If it was run by a government, that's a completely different story. But it's run by this co a company that made it and makes the rules for it. So they choose what they want to do. And this is the point, Frank, is... Can Fortnite survive, or will customers be happy the fact that they... Can, let's say they have an Apple Home. Let's say they don't have an Xbox, or on, uh, they don't want to go do it on their computer. Well, are they not gonna want, they're not going to be able to play with their friends. That's basically what is happening. Right. I mean, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but um, I've been reading a lot where a lot of people are saying, well, how would you like it if Apple took 30% of what you made and what their... Missing is the fact that by putting Fortnite in the App Store, that game then became available to basically billions of people that go onto the App Store for all Apple devices. Now, um, I used to work in the publishing industry, and if you wanted to put a product in Walmart, in... Home Depot, in Target, you have to, they're going to sell it for whatever they sell it for. You're not going to, if they sell it for $25, you're not, the, the manufacturer's not getting $25. So each outlet takes a percentage of whatever they sell it for. And being in the publishing industry with books, the author oftentimes would only get a percentage of net sales, not list price. So if a bookstore had a sale and they sold that book that has a list price of $25 and they sold it for 
$10, okay? The author only got, let's say, 10 or 15% of net sales. So it was never based off of list price. And the publisher being the company that I worked for, they would get their piece before the author was paid. All of the money would come to the publisher. The publisher would issue a royalty statement sometimes twice a year, sometimes three times a year. And that's when the author would get paid. So what Apple is doing is nothing different than any other company does distributing any other product. All right? So... 30%, if you're looking at it from a publishing standpoint, 30% to have access to literally billions of customers without doing anything, that's, that's a steal. It's an absolute steal. In addition to that, Epic Games confirmed that the new season will not be available on any Apple platforms and they will no longer be able to play against other players that are PC, Android, and other consoles. They're two separate versions of the game. And what Epic Games confirmed to The Verge, that cross-platform play will not be available on the iPhone, iPad, and Mac Fortnite players will only be able to play with one another, which means that Fortnite users who have friends on other platforms will not be able to play with each other. So they were hoping to get that temporary restraining order, which of course that we just talked about that did not happen. And at this point, you know, that just, show, that just shows me right there that Epic lost already the first part of this battle with the restraining order, uh, and obviously that didn't happen. Well, their other argument is that um, it's, it's stifling competition. By Epic not being on the platform, this certainly opens the door for some new developer to develop some sort of game that is similar. They can't copy it exactly, of course, because that'd be copyright infringement. But something similar that Fortnite, if it, if it kicks off and, and it takes off, Fortnite, if they come back onto the App Store, the App Store, they may not regain all of those people because they'll be playing something else. I can tell you, I didn't play Fortnite, but I played something Call of Duty came out with their own version of what Fortnite does. It's basically an open, it's an open level that closes in, and you got to kill and basically have to kill other people. So I got, I, I'm in the same, I did the same thing. I don't get it. It's not my thing. Well, Call of Duty, this game in particular, was a free download on the Xbox, but it works exactly like how Fortnite does. You you parachute in down to like the ground, you find weapons, you shoot people. It's, it's no different than Fortnite. Really, they're just not building tree houses and trying to get up on them. That's the only difference, but it's the same idea of the game. So, what I can tell you right now is Epic Games, I feel, is starting to lose, and it really just comes down to how much it's going to hurt them because Google is going to—they're going to run into the same thing with Android. Yeah, I mean, they're getting—I uh, don't know if it's the same percentage, but they're getting a similar percentage now. Um, the other thing that with Google and, and the others that may happen, like I said, they could get another company that's going to develop a software that's similar. And, you know, um, they're going to say, hey, you know what, I'll give you 30%. And, and it's only 30% for in-app purchases. Yep. In, a in a previous episode, you, you talked about your book publishing days 
and you talked about how those percentages are much more than what Apple's requesting from that. So if you did a similar comparison to it, maybe there's a way for people to understand that. But I don't know how many people are really... This is really... I think the Apple nerds are really into this. And I don't know so much how it's going to affect the stock. Speaking of stock, Tim Cook recently was awarded... 560,000 shares of Apple stock for serving as Apple's CEO and for the strong performance. After receiving the reward, he sold more than 265,000 of those shares, price ranging from $493 to $500, netting him somewhere around $131.7 million. The remaining shares are worth over $148 million, which were withheld by Apple for taxes. Whew. Now, granted, that is a lot of money, but yeah, let, me, let me give you a little, th- a couple of things here. The There were 280,000 shares of restricted stock that were, when they were granted to him this time, it, they were fully vested, meaning he could do whatever he want with them. If he wanted to sell them right away, he could sell them right away. There was another 280,000 shares that he got based on the performance of the stock and based on Apple's shareholder return relative to other companies in the Fortune 500. So the higher up Apple was to relation to the other companies in the the S&P 500, the higher amount of shares he would receive. Now, Apple ended up (laughs) uh, garnering around 193% of what he should have. So Mm. while all of this is a lot of money for Tim Cook, it's not like it was just given to him. It was earned based on the performance of the stock for their shareholders. Right. (laughs) Apple beat out two-thirds of the S&P 500, Hmm. no small feat, okay? And it's based on six six years. It was quite an achievement. And uh, the other thing is that I want to mention here, uh, Tim Cook is 59 years old. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, based on SEC, I think it's SEC regulations, CEOs um, have an automatic retirement at 65. They can get extended if the board uh, approves it for, I don't know how many years, maybe another five years. But that means Tim Cook has another uh, six years to go. And if Apple stock keeps going the way it's going, it's, it's over $500 a share now. Um, the last couple of days it went up $8, then again another $6 each day. So... If he keeps the company performing the way it is, um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what he's going to walk away with when he retires. But a lot a lot of money to give to charity, hopefully, or give it to us, but or it, give but it again, back to the employees. It's not like um, it's not like some of the CEOs where they get these golden parachutes for for a company uh, that they ran into the ground, like Hewlett Packard, for example, like. Um, AT&T, not AT&T, but um, uh, Lucent Technologies, 
okay? These CEOs ran those companies into the ground and still walked away with enormous amounts of money, mm -hmm. okay? And the people that were investing in the company, the, the employees, got nothing. Especially those Enron people. Uh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of that, if you log into your E-Trade, there is a message that's going to pop up that Apple's 4 to 1 stocks but will be processed uh, in stock plant accounts after the market closes on Friday, August 28th. Your Apple stock plant information will be split adjusted to your E-Trade account. I'm using E-Trade. Prior to the opening of the market on August 31st. So that means Friday is the last day for you to invest. Uh, which is the day we are going to be airing this episode. So if you want to get Apple stock, this is your last chance to get it at the value that it's at. It will then split four ways. And I'm sure the first day of the sale, you have to predict that it's going to go up, right? I would assume. Well, the an after the split, the analysts are still saying that Apple can reach. <laughs> sounds crazy, but they say their uh, adjustments can be as high as four to five hundred dollars a share. Yeah, so that go that would be right back up where we are. And we got we got there what in two years, uh, two three years. Like the, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so that's that's just good. Th so let, let's all congratulate Tim Cook on making a lot of money. I guess. Well, you know. Well, not only Tim Cook. Uh, well, you remember uh, Apple would periodically grant um, its employees. Restricted stock units. Yes, they do. Uh, um, and uh, now, how they worked was, when they granted you those stocks, you had one year, and the first third of whatever the amount of stocks they gave you then would be vested. The second mm -hmm. year, you would receive the second third, and mm -hmm. then the third year, you would receive the third group. Yep. Um, so, while obviously Tim Tim Cook <laughs> gets the largest amount of shares given to them, um, they do give the Apple employees restricted stock, yep. which is pretty nice. Now you yes. talk about free money. I mean, the only thing you have to, when you get the restricted stock, is not um, touch it. <laughs> not That's well, obvious. Well, for one year, you get the first third, right? Yeah. And if you want to get the full value, you have to be there for at least three years after the stock is granted to you. And if you do leave the company, you will lose those RSUs, because I did lose a couple when I left. So well, you won't going lose to those too. that are vested. You'll no, only correct. lose the, the piece that isn't vested. That, correct. That's correct. Now, hopefully you go work at an Apple retail store sometime soon, but guess what? Apple might be having its very first Apple store that's a giant glowing orb because they are announcing, or it's expected, the Marina Bay Sand Store, which is going to be in Singapore, is going to have this circular-style design. Uh, it's going to be the newest retail location on a on the waterfront. It's going to be officially in the waterfront, and it's going to be known as the Apple Marina Bay Sands. It can claim its world's first title. It's the only Apple retail shop on the planet that floats on water. Now, did you take a look at the photo of this? I did. Yeah, well, uh, this is really cool. It it is, uh, but you know Singapore has been known for some um, avant-garde things, so. Uh, it's it's amazing. I don't know how you get into it. I, I mean, they have like this box with an apple on it. I don't know if that's like a stairway to go 
under the dock and in into the orb. Yeah, I think um, they're blocking the entrance. I think that's what it is. Like they're they're putting the Apple logo right there on the globe, and that blocks people from going into. Uh, so there's basically a walkway. Uh, that goes inside, it's, uh, and they've just put a big Apple logo in the front there just to block it off. So that's what the, the images are showing. Now, do you know anything about Singapore and their laws and rules? Nope. Well, um, the company I used to work for had a, an outlet in Singapore, and we had people that would go over there all the time. And they don't put up with any bullshit, <laughs> Okay. When one of my coworkers got off the plane, he had gum with him. They confiscated the gum. There is, you, you are not allowed because you're not allowed to chew gum because people will throw it on the, on the street. They, they are some serious shit there. You, you get out of line there, you're in for the hassle of your life. Now, he loved it there. He said it was absolutely one of the cleanest, most orderly cities he'd ever been in. But you have to obey the rules. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, and that's why a lot of companies will make these very unique designs and buildings because they know that they're going to be supported by uh, the government there to keep them up and to, you know, keep it nice. Plus the people that are going to work there. They know yeah, what... This is going to be... Imagine working at this store every day. How cool is that? Uh, right? Apple did put out a teaser video, so it is known that it's going to happen. I believe it was published more internally, but uh, they got it out there. This will be Apple's 512th retail shop globally. So that's, a, that's pretty amazing. Uh, they don't have as many stores as you really think they do. Uh, what'd you say? Five hundred and what? Twelve. Five hundred and twelve stores. Yeah. That's a pretty amazing, considering uh, Microsoft just closed all of their stores. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. Except for three of them, uh, which are not even going to be technically retail stores anymore. So that begs the question. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today was the differences now. So you can see where they're going with Apple stores. They're not become when. It first started in 2001. They were opening up in malls, and that's it. And then when the Fifth Avenue store opened up, and they realized that this glass ceiling enclosure became like a, like a tourist attraction that's completely free to go to, well, then that's when they started shifting and opening up more stores like this one, where they be, which is known as what we call inside the lingo is the standalone stores, and they have the mall stores. So there's like two different style of Apple stores that you can see. And we wanted to compare the two because we've been in both. We know what it's like to be in two different Apple stores. One that's, which uh, are the, the, the A-plus stores, and then you have the smaller stores. So, Frank, is there one particular difference that you feel between those two? Um, the hours can be different. They're completely independent of any outside interference in terms of, like at a mall, you would have the rules and regulations of, whoever owns the mall. Um, so they could make whatever hours they wanted. Um, the other thing is usually a lot of those have, they'll have a separate learning room, they'll have a business room. It's just a whole different configuration. Um, 
the style of the of the store can be totally different. Uh, they'll have trees inside the store, just totally different than a mall store. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out, when Apple opened these stores, do you remember Gateway? Do you remember Gateway Computers? They had retail stores, and they had just closed all of their stores. They could not make a go of it. And all of the analysts said that Apple was absolutely crazy to open stores. Um, but the biggest difference between the Gateway stores and the Apple stores was when you walked into an Apple store, you could walk out with a product. The Gateway stores, you could go in, play with their computers, you know, see what you wanted, but you had to order it and it would be shipped to your home. Um, I think that was their one single downfall because the machines, I always liked the gateway machines. Um, but at any rate, the, the analyst said Apple was absolutely crazy and it was going to be the end of Apple opening the stores. Now we have 512 worldwide and uh, just became, I guess, the first trillion dollar company. Amazing, an amazing story. I got to go to the Grand Central Terminal one, which is great. You know, it, it's just a, it's just a bunch of steps that walk up into the, and there's just an Apple logo hanging, but it's built into the architecture like it's no different than, you know, the rest of the terminal, which is great. And you're right, they get to open the hours anytime they want. Where if you are going to a mall store, you are the mall sets the hours and that's what they stick to. However, I will say. Apple will sometimes be against them all. A perfect example, Black Friday. So they would open. So a perfect example of that is malls. Well, they used to. They're not going to this year. Opened up on Thanksgiving, and they would open up the very late in the evening. And then what happens is everyone is kind of forced to open up. That is kind of a rule with that. Or if you don't open, you do pay a fine for that. Do you think, Frank, that Apple is a is fined every time that they don't open on a Black Friday because they typically don't open up till in the around maybe six a.m. Um, you know they may be, but you know, I, I I think that upper management said, you know what, I don't care, fine us, you know, because if you look at a lot of the malls that we're in especially with the climate now, let's take Quaker Bridge or Freehold, the anchor stores are leaving. They're gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the major draw at those malls? Apple. The Apple Store. Mm -hmm. How many times did people tell you they would go into Freehold or go into Quaker Bridge, they go, you know, there's nobody else in this mall. You go to any store <laughs> and there are people just standing around waiting for somebody to, yep. to wait on, mm -hmm. except the Apple Store. You go into the Apple Store, guess what? You got to wait. And guess what? For those tenants that are closer to Apple Stores, they typically have to pay more money to be next to an Apple Store. That's a weird little fact because it does matter where you are in the mall. You do pay a difference. And I believe that if you're close to an Apple store, the tenants have to pay more money for that. Yeah, well, that's a draw. They know people are going to go to that store. But but the independent stores, they can, like you said, a lot of times now they're, other than this new one in Singapore, they'll look for a historical building mm -hmm. that has some historical significance. 
and they will try to recapture its former glory mm -hmm. and not destroy the store. They'll, they'll build within it. Yeah. So um, they're, they're working with cities, municipalities to restore the grandeur of a once beautiful building and add modern touches to it and in, in my estimation offer some of the best electronic equipment on the face of the earth. And the best example of that is New York's Upper East Side. It was a bank and they I believe they turned it into uh, if I'm correct I believe they turned that into uh, the Apple Store. So another big difference too is a lot of the new changes that come into Apple stores don't happen in malls. So for the creatives, they are not installing those TV walls in the back of all those stores. They don't have them, and the newer stores are getting it as long. And they're also getting the Genius Grove as well. So they're getting that, and these newer these mall stores are are have these little monitors, well, not middle, but they're TVs sitting at a table that could probably no, no, won't fit maximum more than four people. And they have to wear headsets, which they do wear headsets at the other ones, but they need to. Like It's just a little silly uh, for the creatives. It's a completely different experience. Yes, it is. Um, we, uh, If you remember at Freehold, when they had one-to-one, -one, they would showcase maybe once a year, they would showcase somebody that was a member of one-to-one -one that was working on whether it was a music project or um, some project that they were working on over the course of the year. And they would actually, I remember they, for this singer-songwriter, we set up equipment and they came in and they showed how they recorded using GarageBand or Logic um, and they would do a little song, they would record it, they would add things to it, and they would demonstrate how they used Apple products. Other places had live bands perform. Um, much easier to do in an independent store uh, than it is in a mall. Um, because in a mall, you get people that come in and they see somebody playing and then some people start complaining, it's too loud. I can't do what I want to do. Whereas in an independent store, they could do a lot of that after, I'll, I'll say after hours. Like if the store was supposed to stop selling at a certain time, they would shut that down and then they would do this, they would showcase these artists. Um, very nice feature, nice to do. It's a great way to get local clubs involved in the Apple Store, whether they're photography clubs, whether they're uh, a, a local band, whatever. Uh, it's, it's really hard to do in a mall store. I know at Quaker Bridge, we had a photography club that wanted to do uh, sessions with us. And it was, the, the management, at the time, just said no. It, it, it's not for that, which I didn't understand that at all. But the way they're trying to promote them now, maybe they would do it. But also, just the natural foot traffic of an Apple Store as well. I mean, naturally, the foot traffic is much easier uh, on a standalone store than it is at a mall. Usually, a mall you have to go in, you have to go find the store. It's not as easy uh, compared to that. So, mall stores, it's almost 
like you would want to work at a standalone store. Like if we had, I mean, I'm sure, Frankie, if you had the opportunity and you had two Apple stores that were almost the same distance, or maybe one was further than the other, would you go work at a standalone store over working at a mall? Yes. Yeah, so that that's my point. They have to be able to make those Apple stores and malls more appealing to come into and, and be a part of it. And with COVID, that's going to make that really tough. We used to do, uh, at Quaker Ridge, the creatives, we were scheduled to do these photo walks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where where are you going to do a photo walk yeah, it's terrible. in the mall? Are you going to take them out to the parking lot? I mean, we yeah. did. We tried to do, you know, slow motion video with cars and stuff, but um, it's just not as appealing as if you were in, let's say, New York, New York, or or Philadelphia, or downtown Princeton, or you know, some metropolitan area where you had parks and and people walking around. Other than a mall atmosphere, it's just not the same. Right. It's not the same, and I don't know how Apple can try to change that, but I can tell you when it comes to the creatives, they have to find a a completely different platform for them to train their customers for today at Apple. As far as Genius goes, I I don't think that's much of a big deal. I mean, it is nicer to be in front of a tree, I guess, and a table. Uh, I guess that'll be kind of nice. It makes it a little more secluded. Uh, And the retail, and there's just more stuff in there's just more stuff uh, there. I think they could get rid of some of the tables in the front. I don't think you need three tables of the same product. I think you can shorten that. Just one table goes away. The, I know these standalone stores have as many tables as they want because they have the room, but these malls don't. You don't need three tables going back to show the, off the, pr- the products and because you, there's such a small amount of them, really. Of, of Hero products, there's a small amount of them. So th- I think they can knock that down and they can make this back area of every single Apple Store mall into something pretty spectacular. A lot of times I would talk to uh, people I used to work with in, in the publishing company and I, I used to tell them, how many different products do we have that we sold? And they would say, oh, I don't, I don't know, huge number. I said, look at Apple. What are the number of different products they have? If, if you can get two dozen, that's a lot. And look at the, the money that they make and the traffic that they pull in with just 24 products. Now, you can get different iterations of a, uh, a MacBook Pro or, or a iMac or whatever, but it's still basically one product. And, and you know what the back ha- of the house looks like as far as inventory is concerned. They don't have huge inventories. No. Uh, so I always found that amazing. That amazing. That, that's a, to me, that's an amazing statistic that you have a small number of products garnering such huge revenue. I always enjoyed that, though, because it really amazed me. Well, what really enjoys me is that we're out of time today for this episode. (laughs) We want to thank you, Frank, for coming on for another week and another 
fantabulous episode. Fantabulous? Is that a word? No, it's not, but I just made it a word. And go. it is a great week for more Apple Talk, so make sure you download our episodes every day. Remember, this is episode 58. You can download all the episodes we've had in the past, including one of my favorites, the pros and cons of working with owning an Apple product. We did that on episode 54 as an example, but download a whole bunch more. Check them out here at the Fake Different Podcast. That's Frank. I'm Will. We are here for another week. We'll see you next week here at the Think Different Podcast. Goodbye.